Let's turn to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, tonight for our study to chapter, chapter 20 and verse 17. <clears throat> Last time we were in Matthew, we considered the parable about the laborers and the time they started during the day and the ministry they did and the reward they got. And some felt very short-changed when they got to pay. They said, we've borne the heat of the day. Don't we get more? But the Lord said, didn't we agree that you'd get that much and you got that much? I'm, I'm just in what I've done. And those who came at about five in the afternoon and were hired got the same pay. Um, <clears throat> we need to leave that with the Lord, don't we? <laughs> Need to leave what the rewards are with him. And uh, hey, we have salvation, full and free. And then we get rewarded on top for service for him as saved sinners. What a blessing that we, we will and we have eternity with him. Now we come to the ministry in the kingdom, verse 17 to 34. And we're not well, only covering, covering a portion of that tonight. And there we read there in Jesus going up from Jerusalem in verse 17, took the 12 disciples apart along the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be, be, be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him and the third day he shall rise again. Then came... To him, the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, on, sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? They said unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two, the two brethren. Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And who, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the clear teaching of your word tonight, and may we take it and receive it as it is written, and it be a blessing to our lives and minister to us and through us. Lord, we do ask again for those that aren't well in our midst and not in our midst at a, a hospital that you would, or at home, you would strengthen them. We think of the elderly and quite a few are not able to come anymore. We pray for them as they read your word, and Lord, that they might have fellowship with others that are in uh, around where they live. Lord, 
bless them and bless us as who have gathered in your name and you're in the midst in Jesus name amen <clears throat> so ministry in the kingdom the price of ministry we have in verse 17 <clears throat> through there to verse uh, 19 or right through to the end of the chapter but the price revealed in these first first few verses uh, what are the probabilities of the fulfillment of the multitude of predictions given in these verses and other verses, Old Testament and New Testament, concerning the Lord Jesus and his death? What are the probabilities that all these things would happen? Like the chance. Would they happen by chance? No. There's not a possibility in the world that all these things would line up and happen by chance. And we could go through the Old Testament. We'll read before the Lord's table tonight, Psalm 22 of the things that are mentioned and prophesied there about the Lord Jesus hundreds of years before they happened. He, his death did happen. He did die in Jerusalem. He was betrayed by the chief priests and the Pharisees. He did, they did hand him over to the Gentiles to crucify him. He was mocked by them, by the Gentiles. He was scourged. He died by crucifixion which wasn't known when the prophecies were given. They didn't have that method of death at that time. And he did rise from the dead three days, as Jonah was three days and three nights. And all these things came true of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> the price revealed, yes, the way. <clears throat> Notice there in verse 17, and Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart along the way. I mean, there's a... There's, quite some thought in itself the the way <laughs> the unsaved people spoke of the way <laughs> that the christians walked you see we walk in the way of the lord jesus christ and here you see we think that christianity oft is just on sunday morning and sunday evening or if we come to prayer meeting on prayer meeting or, or youth group or, or camp but you see christian living is 24 7 that's what we say a phrase today it's not just now and then and i think someone said after the morning service we don't just dress up for sunday and come here we are to be spiritually sanctified all the days of our life along the way and the lord jesus ministered to the disciples along the way he told them things along the way we learn along the way we learn through life's experiences and the word of god applied to them along the way of life as christians have you learned something this week along the way and sometimes we learn a lesson and then a few years later we have to learn it again because it didn't seem to be hard-hitting enough to remember the lesson remember the things you remember when you go older you remember the things you remember <laughs> but they're the they're usually the things that really stand out in our life some experience and and the word of god is real really means something to us you know, we can we can go and we can be taught it's good to be taught it's good to teach teach them these things the lord has said but <clears throat> When we just hear it and it goes in and it goes out, but when we experience Christianity in our life along the way of life, and the disciples are learning on the way, and the Lord only had three years with them to teach them many things along the way. 
And so I pray that our Christian life is not just Sunday. It's all the time. And I remember at Lascelles, Lascelles, that's way over there near Neil. It's over near the border of uh, South Australia. And went to visit Grandma there. And her house was opposite the church, a church. I can't remember what sort of church it was. But they were all coming to church. And there was a lot of people went to church in those days. They were talking 50-something years ago. And they're all making sure they're all cleaned up and all decked out and ready. To, ready you know, that's good. <laughs> but none of them had a Bible in their hands. None of them had the scriptures themselves. And that was a long time ago for that sort of thing to happen. And uh, I don't know if my sister was provocative in what she did, but she thought, well, I'm going to go to church across the road <laughs> along the way. And she went over with a Bible. And so when the preacher said a certain passage of scripture, she'd like this and turn to it. <laughs> She was the only one in the whole church that was turning to it. But it was serving to remind us. Things like that stand out along the way of our Christian life. And <clears throat> folks, I pray that it's not just a Sunday dress, dressage. It's a, it's a 24, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. The Lord teaches us in that, in that way. The warning is given in verse 18 and 19. We go up to Jerusalem. And it's interesting that these verses are there. Then what happened, happened in verse 20. We go up to Jerusalem. So there's a warning here. The Lord's destination was Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. What's your favourite song? I know my favourite song. My, song, my favourite song is Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, Jerusalem. I can't, I'm not going to try and sing it. No, I don't think I... <laughs> wouldn't get there. <laughs> Who said that? Tell me later. <laughs> <A son -in> law <laughs> But um, Jerusalem. What a wonderful thought. Up to Jerusalem. Who's, who's been up to Jerusalem? You've been up to Jerusalem? I went in a car. <laughs> Didn't have to walk it like those of that day, but it was something special. As the saints of old times in Old Testament went up to Jerusalem, they were usually going up for a feast, one of the special days. And, and they'd start with a city, say, some left from Nazareth of about 300 people. Not all of them would go, but a lot of them would go, families. And on the way, they would meet others, they would gather from other cities. And by the time they got to Jerusalem, there were hundreds of people singing and praising God and reading psalms. We don't do it like that. We all hop in our individual cars and take off and toot the fella next to us because he, he, <laughs> he butted in or something. But they had, this was a spiritual time. This was a time to prepare for the day that they were going toward, whether it be, you know, the Feast of the Passover or something of that nature. And the Lord Jesus was involved in that. We know because at 12 years old, where was he? With his family in Jerusalem. And folks, our destination is, is Jerusalem. He has prepared a place for us. And it talks about it, the wonderful place of Jerusalem. Up to Jerusalem. They, they were going up to Jerusalem, but it wasn't a happy occasion in thinking about it for the Lord Jesus at this time, was it? Because look what he, he talked about. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. 
and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. That's the blessing <laughs> just at the end of that verse, uh, verse 19. And so we see the Lord's destination was Jerusalem and the Lord's decease was talked about there that was going to happen at Jerusalem. His treatment at the hands of the, the Hebrews and of the Gentiles at that time. The fearful treachery he would face when he got there. He would be betrayed. Betrayed. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? It's hard to bear when you've been betrayed. So there's a fearful treachery that he would face and the false trial that he would face also. He'd be condemned to death, it tells us here. <clears throat> and I was looking up and thinking of the reasons why the trial of the Lord Jesus was illegal, the way it was held. Without legal precedent, it was held wrongfully. There was no legal basis for Jesus' arrest because no one had presented a formal charge against him of any crime. He's, he was simply taken, and he was taken there at night. Jesus, secondly, was subject to a secret preliminary examination at night, and G the Jews permitted only a trial to happen by day, not by night. The indictment against Jesus was illegal because the judges themselves brought up the charges without any prior testimony by a witness. The Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, was not allowed by law to originate charges, but they did. The court, fourthly, illegally proceeded to hold its trial of Jesus before sunrise so that no one would be able to testify because they're all in bed. They're asleep. They had it overnight. Now, you think we run 24 hours a day with the lights on, but they were doing this at night. And they put special effort in so that they could do their unjust deed illegally and get it done before people could object because the Lord had a lot of followers didn't he he had fed a lot of people if he just gathered if just the ones that had been healed by him in some way gathered together there would be a multitude of people we have the miracles was the 33 or 35 miracles in the New Testament mentioned but there are many others that were healed if they could come and give testimony to this man that saved me or, or healed me they would not have been able to proceed in these false accusations. Um, <clears throat> even Fifthly, even though Jewish law did not permit the trial of a capital offence to begin on a Friday or on a day before an annual feast, a feast day, Jesus was arrested and tried the day before the Sabbath, as it mentions, the extended Sabbath of that week, that weekend that he was tried on, um, <clears throat> Passover weekend. And this happened to be the first day of the festival of unleavened bread that's mentioned in scripture. All this was illegal. He was betrayed. He was taken by religious leaders. And people today say, horror, that would never happen again. You know, if he, the Lord came today, he's not going to do it again. He's one sacrifice forever. But if he came today, you know what religious leaders would do? The same thing. They're just as weaker today in their intents and their ambitions to rise to power. Sixthly, Jesus' trial was concluded in one day. But the law of the Jews, if a sentence of death is to be pronounced, it, the criminal charge, cannot be concluded before the following day. 
That's in their own law. They said that. But they did it in nine hours around that, about that time. In less than nine hours. Seventhly, two false witnesses charged Jesus with saying he would destroy the temple made with hands, according to the scripture. Yet he was condemned by the court on the charge of blasphemy. And he was condemned on his own testimony. And according to Jewish law, a person could not be condemned by their own testimony. They did that. You see, all these betrayals, all these false accusations, all these things and the way they were done were wrong. Eighthly, the merits of Jesus' defence were not considered. The high priest did not inquire and make and ask and search out diligently, according to Deuteronomy 13:14, to see whether Christ's statement was blasphemy, blasphemous. And uh, the law said the judges shall weigh the matter in sincerity of their conscience before they pronounce a sentence. Ninthly, those who would have voted against condemnation were not at Jesus' trial, as we've previously mentioned. And think of Joseph of Arimathea. It's said that the people that were at the trial of the Lord Jesus of the Sanhedrin, the Seventy, there was only 23 of them, and most of the, those that came were related to the high priest. That's getting your way by using your family to condemn the Lord Jesus. And now those people in hell for eternity, unless they got saved in the meantime, will know the guilt of what they've done, how guilty they are. The sentence was pronounced tenthly here. The sentence was pronounced in a place forbidden by law. The trial took place at the high priest's house, Luke 22. And according to law, a death sentence could, not be, could be pronounced only in the court, court's appointed place. You see, all these things and others we could talk about. That he goes up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be betrayed, he said of himself, unto the chief priests and the scribes and they shall condemn him to death. His treatment at the hands of the heathen is seen in verse 19 and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge and to crucify. <clears throat> so he would be mocked. Remember what they said when he was hanging on the cross? He saved others, himself he cannot save. They cast the same in his teeth, it says in scripture. They said, if thou be the Christ, come down from the cross. If you claim to be Christ the Messiah, you can do that. But if you can't come down, then we won't believe you. All his life he'd been doing miracles, all his ministry life he'd been doing miracles. They didn't believe. And though one rose from the dead, you will not believe. The Lord Jesus said at one time. And so they mocked him. He was mutilated. He's not only mocked, but mutilated and scourged. Scourged. I think it was Tony last, last, was it last week or the week before? I think that we're mentioning the, the scourging of the Lord Jesus. It might have been Bernie in the last week's Sunday school class. But scourged. Whipped to the point of death. His beard plucked out. The crown of thorns put onto his head. Was it Pastor McConnell? That's right. <laughs> the crown of thorns. <laughs> when you preached that the other the, the week there. 
he would be mutilated. And Isaiah 52 and verse 14 tells us his visage was so marred more than any man that he was not recognized to be a man. Not even a human because he was beaten so much to his death. He was speared and all the things that went along with it. He was crucified. So he was murdered. He was mocked. He was mutilated and he was murdered. Why did he do all these things? He did it for you. He did it for me. He died in our place. And so the Lord's decease is spoken of by himself at this time to the disciples. But notice the Lord's deliverance in the last part, the hope of these verses. The third day he shall rise again. The third day he shall rise again. Now, it's a very serious message. It's a very pointed message. How much of this message did, it, did the disciples hear? Then came to him the, the mother of Zebedee's children, and we go on to the next portion of scripture. Then came she and asked him, <laughs> these things can my two children my two boys my two sons be on your left and your right hand and so they did not comprehend they didn't you know when you've spoken to somebody and and you might have done it to me I might you might I might have done it to you when uh, you're speaking to somebody and they're blank they're not listening, they're not hearing, they're getting ready to say something to you. That happens, doesn't it? We all do it probably, some more than others. <laughs> and uh, and when, when you finish speaking, they completely change the subject. They haven't heard a word just said. No communication happened. The disciples were no different. <laughs> the Lord had just told them about something that was really affecting him, something that was so serious to him that when he got into the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat great drops of blood. Yet they didn't hear him. Do we comprehend? Do we see the seriousness, the, the, the pain and the agony and the suffering that the Lord went through? Or do we just brush over that? Oh, yeah, he did that for my sins and let's move on to the next thought. Let's think about, let's think about me and what I'm going to get. <laughs> this is what they did. So <clears throat> we see the quest of the two disciples, the path revealed here of these and the way they thought, the quest of the two disciples, their mother was sent. We say her devout worship. I've mentioned that. I don't know if that's in the outline in the bulletin. <clears throat> worshipping him. Why do we worship the Lord? Why do we come to church? Why do we read the Bible? What is our motive? What, what, what was her motive? We can only say, well, except that she truly did worship him, but did she worship him or was that for a reason to get something from him? That seems to be the case in the context it's written. Her devout worship... <clears throat> He just finished talking about the cross and the price and the cost it would be to him as he died on the cross, on the cross there. And they were thinking about a crown and mum was sent to ask the, asked for that position. I've written down mum's the word, as some people say. 
And who was she the mother to? Well, she was the mother to James and John. It's believed she, Salome, of Matthew 27 and 56, was sister to Mary, the Lord's mother. John 19.25. So James and John would have been the Lord's cousins. And it was like asking a family favour that they be ruler on the right and the left hand. And we have to be careful with that with our relatives, don't we? That can easily happen within a local church as the local church grows. And so her devout worship and her dearest wish for that to happen. Uh, The disciples were still under the mistaken notion that the Lord was about to establish his kingdom, his earthly kingdom. Ignorant of Christ's predictions of the cross, they overlooked them, as we've said. And we must give Salome some credit here. At least she believed there was going to be a kingdom. At least she believed that the Lord was going to establish that. And so many don't even today believe that and reject that. But she did believe that. So the mother and their mistake, they were ignorant of the price that was to be paid to go to the throne. Before the crown came the cross. And that's what he's trying to get across here. And Jesus answered and said in verse 22, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? What do we celebrate? We celebrate tonight the Lord's Supper. We partake of the cup. What is that to make us remember of the blood that was shed for us, for our sins? Are you able to drink of the cup? Are you able to go through this, the death, um, and be baptized with a baptism? We, we talk about baptism of fire, don't we? we that's a phrase un, I think unsaved people use. Uh, are we able to go through the baptism? Are you able to go through the baptism that I am baptized with? And they glibly say, yep, no worries. And it was only a few days later that what happened? When they come to capture the Lord Jesus, all the disciples fled and took off. Some stayed closer than others. Two of them did, John and Peter. But they mostly fled. Are you able? I wonder if those words were ringing in their ears then. Are you able to be baptized with a baptism? That was just his capture. That wasn't yet his crucifixion. And so they'd mistakenly understood or, or, or the seriousness of it. They were ignorant of the price that was to be paid. We are saved. It costs us nothing. But to serve and to minister for the Lord takes us to the cross, doesn't it? And before the crown comes the cross. And the cross was threefold, as we mentioned, the cup of anguish and sorrow that would bring even beads of blood before he was nailed to the cross at Gethsemane. A baptism of a very painful death. The spitting, the shame, the slapping, the the suffering that went on at the cross, the slandering, the scourging, the mocking, the thorns, the piercing hands and feet. And this was a baptism that he was going to be baptised with. And when we think of it, and when we read of the testimony of the historical uh, fact of what happened to the disciples, what happened to them all, except for one? John was the one exception. They all died a martyr's death. Are you able to be baptised with the baptism? Yes, we are. (laughs) 
Be careful what you say. <laughs> Be careful what you promise to the Lord. Yes, I'm able to. And a moment of high excitement or, or uh, of commitment, you know, a lot of commitments are made at camp with young people. Do they carry them through? They said, yes, we're able. Have they carried them through? The Lord holds us to those pledges we make. And if we make a pledge, yes, we're able. Carry the pledge through. Are we able to be baptised with and go through the suffering? And uh, <clears throat> we might say there's not only the cup of the baptism, but an apron of humility. That he would be humbled when he had the power to do to those people more terrible things than they were doing to him, as it were. They were he was able to obliterate them with the spoken word. But in humility, he let them crucify. He humbled himself even to the death of the cross. That's our Savior. That's our Lord. Have we counted the cost? Are we willing to, as the scripture tells us, to die daily? Are we willing to take up the cross and follow him? Be careful how you answer that to the Lord. <clears throat> when we sing, Lord, we are able. <laughs> yes, we're able. Are we willing? Willing to go all the way. I die daily and take up your cross and follow me is mentioned in the Gospels many times. Are we going through a baptism as it were of fire? <clears throat> James, the first apostle to die a martyr's death. And the other man that was, whose mother was requesting him was John. And was John was the other one. He didn't die. He's the only one that was banished, banished to the Isle of Patmos and received the book of Revelation under inspiration. <clears throat> the principle of the throne is given in verse 23. And he said, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup. It did happen. They, all, they did suffer and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But <laughs> to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It shall be given to them of whom it is prepared of my father. Uh, by my father and so the principle of the throne he, he the, the lord jesus is leaving that entirely up to his father that's his father's business and they weren't told whether they'd get that position or not we know that they were told that they were they would have leadership positions they were told that their names would be there in the foundations of the new jerusalem but they're not told other things and so let's leave those things to the Lord. Let's just be faithful to serve him and take up our cross and follow him all the way to the cross. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We, Lord, need to be careful when we consider what we say and what we promise. Because in your word, it tells us if we make a promise, we are to keep it. And we're not to make our foot to sin by making a promise with our mouth. Lord, I thank you for what you've done on our behalf. And I pray that as you've taken your cross and you've died on our behalf, that we'd be willing as your children to follow in your steps and humble ourselves under the hand of God. And he will lift us up in due time. And bless us now as we go into considering and remembering the Lord's suffering, in Jesus' name. Amen.